0: hallelujah all right well let's start promptly we'll start with prayer Mm -hmm. father we thank you for what you are doing in this place we thank you father that through this message father that we receive father the implanted word father that you have given We ask that you protect it, Father, in the name of Jesus. Let it grow, Father. Let someone come, Lord God, whether it's us, Father, or someone else, Father. Come to water, Father, what has been placed in us today, Father, through the word. We thank you that the atmosphere, Father, has already been sent, Lord God. Hallelujah. And set, Father, for your children. Lead us, Father, into deeper waters. Lead us in still places. Keep us, Father, firm, Father, and in remaining in your household, Father. We thank you, Father. We give you our heart. We give you our life. We give you our strength, Father, because we know we can't do anything without you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen, 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 amen. Great to see everybody out tonight. Amen. I know. That's how I feel, too. Yes. (laughs) Feeling good, feeling good. Um, Definite was a, um, at first, I guess I should say, I'm going to use my iPad since it's the only one that wants to cooperate. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I got a little bit to go. It's, yeah, it won't cooperate. Mm Mm-mm. But I got my iPad. It's probably better since I'm so short. (laughs) Amen, 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 amen. So I really, I, I struggled later on, well, earlier on, trying to figure out what message the Father wanted me to teach tonight. And it was kind of crazy because um, um, the message that I was going to teach, actually, I had been, well, back it up. The father gave me a list, a big giant list of things that he wanted me to teach on. And in my mind, the list that he gave me, I'm going to go in that order. But he reminded me um, when I was getting ready to actually study for whatever he wanted me to teach, that um, that I need to ask him every single time, even though he's given giving me a list. And so that would be the reason why I struggled um, prior to this uh, with the one that I thought he wanted me to do, but it just was not coming like it was supposed to. And so as soon as he spoke to me and said, this is the one, everything just started lining up so i knew that most definitely it was but it was just odd that he would want me to teach this but we're gonna go with the spirit amen we're going with the spirit so welcome to lesson three of wisdom for the daughters of god i hope everybody is caught up on the lessons um because definitely tonight um it's a definite sure word from him. And so I guess I'll start off this way with a little bit of stats. Just trying to get my bearing for the spirit. I'll start off with some stats. So according to the wildfire statistics, yes, I said wildfire. <laughs> it's like, you're saying wild? Yes. Of the U.S. and abroad, it is estimated that more than 67,000 wildfires take place each year. That's a lot of wildfires. With more than 50 large wildfires in history that have literally stripped the land and left it barren. Driving thousands of people from their homes, so leaving billions of dollars in damage to properties, yet often caused by, what, a single match. That if left alone and unmanaged, that it would turn into a whirlwind of destruction. So we are talking about fires that consume people, properties, and the land in the matter of minutes that took years to build. And to add to the loss of the amount of time it takes to rebuild as far as um, what was destroyed, it takes, on average, 11 years for land to recover after it has been burned by a wildfire, and decades for a forest to be reestablished, all because of a spark that turned into a flame and consumed the life that was once there, particularly in that particular area. So even though I am talking to you about wildfires and how the smallest match literally can cause so much damage, this is just a type and a shadow of the topic that the Father wanted me to speak to you today. And daughters of God, today we are going to be speaking about a wholesome tongue. A wholesome tongue. That is the title of our uh, message today. is a wholesome tongue. A wholesome tongue. So, like I told you, I'll put my disclaimer out there, ladies. <laughs> we started off easy. We getting ready to go real deep into some things that um. We're definitely going to have to do some groundwork in, but this is lifelong work, so hey, dive in. So in regards to the tongue, one word, one sentence, one phrase can lead to a chain reaction of damaging people's lives, including our own lives. So how can words do all of that? How can we start with one little disagreement and end up with family members refusing to speak to one another for years? Whether it's the rift between coworkers, relatives, neighbors, races, church members, how can the tongue do so much damage? So if you take a concordance and you look up the words related to the word mouth, You get a whole lot of things. You get tongue, you get lips, you get speech, and so on. So you would literally be amazed what the Bible, literally how much information the Bible literally has to say about this particular topic about the tongue. And so because of that, I thought within myself, this is with good reason that the father told me that this lesson was next. So let's begin the lesson. The first thing that I want you to know, daughters of God, is that we cannot, and I'll explain the statement that I'm getting ready to say, we cannot have really good lives if we do not know how to control our tongues and our mouth. Amen. And so we're going to begin at Proverbs 13 and 3. Proverbs thirteen and three says He who guards his he who guards his lips guards his soul, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Now, we've already went through, we don't have to go through all the things in which the the soul comprises of, because I believe Apostle, he he laid it out for us in the soul algorithm. Amen? Amen? So, your soul is your whole personality. It is the real you. This is also the area where your weaknesses will be manifested first. And where the enemy will also gain access to you first. So if you want to guard your soul, you must guard your lips. But if you speak rashly, like the Bible says, it says you will come to ruin now. We're going to break those things down. So it brings us to this question. Why is it important for us to guard our souls? The Bible says, as your soul prospers, you prosper. It is a kingdom principle. So let's go through two defini- two definitions that this particular scripture dealt with, and it talks about, it, it says the words rashly and ruin, okay? He said, he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. So we're going to look at rashly, and we're going to look at ruin now rashly deals with communication that is seen as offensive not considering how the words that you speak carries consequences ruin deals with the complete loss of your inheritance the complete loss of the promises of god and the complete loss of the assets that the Father has for you. It also can be interpreted as being the process of being destroyed or ruin means reduced to a state of poverty. You know, we don't want that. So the alternatives are very clear. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is this. If you control your tongue or your mouth, then you have protection for your soul. But if your tongue or your mouth gets out of control and you are not the master of your words and your mouth, then the end is ruin. he says. You will begin to lose your inheritance just by the words in which you speak. The whole book of Proverbs is you know, full of these principles, so we're going to look at our next scripture, which is Proverbs 21 and 23. Proverbs 21 and 23 says, he who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. Now, calamity means the adversary. I think I got a definition. Do I have adversary it means adversary distress affliction anguish and it means tribulation that's what calamity means adversary meaning the one who is against or resists the father distress meaning applied pain to the body or the mind affliction meaning pain and suffering through infirmity or mental distress or we can actually call that mental illness anguish mean extreme distress of the body the mind the body the mind the spirit and the soul and then tribulation trouble or affliction of any kind so let's get this straight some of the tribulations distress and resistance that we are facing has nothing to do with the devil directly. What he is saying is that when you open your mouth and you spoke a negative word about yourself or another person, you literally gave Satan access to block your blessings, your inheritance, and then you spoke damnation over your own situation. So before we get into the meat of the message, I want to go to two um, more passages of scriptures in the book of Proverbs concerning the use of the tongue, which are very significant. The first one is Proverbs 15 and four. And this particular scripture is in which the title of the very message was derived from. And it says a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Now, where the King James Version says a wholesome tongue, the literal Hebrew definition says a healed tongue. This indicates that the tongue, what? It needs to be healed. And we will go over towards the end how to start that process towards the the end of the message. Now, the alternative to a healed tongue, he says in the scripture, is a perverseness that causes a breach in the spirit. Now, I think I have a definition up here of perverseness. Perverseness means the wrong use, the misuse of the tongue, which means that you must keep what? A tight rein. A tight rein. On your tongue if you're going to contain the blessings of your father you must use the tongue for its intended purpose if we say that everything has a purpose most definitely the tongue has a purpose as well which is what the tongue's purpose is to speak life now breach breach means fracture breaking A breaking. It also means, now this is the actual um, Greek definition. It means a breaking of a dream or an interpretation. And what that means is that basically it's a hindrance of a solution of the mysteries concerning the dreams or the words the Father has given you. So he's saying here is that if your tongue is not being used, for its prop of a purpose then it causes a literal breach in the spirit and that breach in the spirit is a hindrance for the solutions of the mysteries and the promises you've been praying out of your mouth it causes a breach to get the answers that you need so remember we're gonna do a few declarations in this as we uh, go along so repeat after me father I give the Holy Spirit full permission to begin the process of healing my tongue. Amen. So it is one thing to be blessed, but it's another thing to actually contain the blessings of God, to keep them. When the tongue is healed, it becomes, as the Bible says, a tree of life. That is for us and a tree of life for other people. It works inwardly in you first and then outwardly to others. Proverbs 18 and 22 confirms literally what I just said. It says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit Each one of us eats the fruit of our own tongues. We have fruit that produces in the Spirit when we use our mouth and our tongues correctly. So, repeat after me. I will eat the fruit of my tongue in Jesus' name. All right, so that means we better be watching what we're saying then because you're going to eat the fruit of it. (laughs) All right? (laughs) Now, the second thing that I want you to know is this. The state, I'm going to say this slowly because the mind seems to do what it wants to do. The state or the condition of your tongue is a very sure guide to your spiritual condition as a daughter of God. Now, let's apply that from Scripture. We're going to go to Matthew 12. 33 through 37, Matthew 12, 33 through 37. And it says, if you grow a healthy tree, you'll pick healthy fruit. If you grow a diseased tree, you'll pick worm eaten fruit. The fruit tells you about the tree. You have minds, now he was, he's getting, he was talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Um, and when he says that you have minds like a snake pit he was letting them know I see you I know your fruit you have minds like snake like a snake pit how do you suppose what you say is worth anything when you are so foul-minded it's your heart not the dictionary literally said that it's your heart not the dictionary that gives meaning to your words A good person produces good deeds and words season after season. An evil person is a plight on the orchard. Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation and words can also be your damnation. So, Jesus here establishes direct connection between the mouth and the heart by using what? Parabolic language. He refers to the heart as the tree and the words that come out of your mouth as the fruit. So, the kind of words that come out of your mouth will indicate or give insight to the condition of your heart. Now, He says, for instance, and I don't have this up here, he says a good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth what? Good words. An evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth what? Evil words. The nature of the tree inevitably determines the kind of fruit that it produces and vice versa. When we see the kind of fruit, We know the nature of the tree. So the tree is the heart and the fruit is the mouth. So if the heart is good, the words that come out of the mouth will be good. But if the words are evil, then we know that the heart is evil. Now, so what does that tell us? There is an inescapable truth. Or principle between the connection between the state of the heart and the state of your mouth, for instance, and and people have argued this claim when we talk about um, the heart and it being evil or good. There's no middle ground. One, one, that's the one thing I want to let you know. There is no middle ground for the heart. is either evil or it's good. Now I say that to say this. For instance, if Say, for instance, we kick, you know, you're walking and you kick over a bucket of water, okay, and you determine through kicking the bucket of water over, now, all of the water don't spill out of the bucket, but some of the water does, and from what does spill out of the bucket, the bucket of the water that we literally see is dirty. Now, does that mean the other, some of the other parts in the water in the bucket is clean? No, not at all. We know that we don't have to look at the remainder of the water in the bucket to know that the rest of the water is dirty. We determine that from looking at what spilled out. If what spilled out was dirty, we know that what remains is dirty. But a lot of times when we talk about the heart, people are saying, you know, they say this a lot, you know, God knows my heart, you know. And it's like, yes, he does. <laughs> but he says that it's not like some of the chambers of your heart are good and some are bad. No, it's either evil or it's good. So let's look at the biblical picture of the tongue. Now, we will um, look to see how James, <laughs> James uses a number of pictures And I like pictures, I like demonstrations, to demonstrate to us the function of the tongue in our lives. So let's go to James 3 and 2 first. James 3 and 2 says, we all stumble, okay, meaning that we all got something. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man and able to keep his whole body in check. Now, James is saying that if you can control your tongue or your mouth, literally, you can control your whole life. You are a perfect daughter if you can control your tongue. Then he goes on in the remainder of the passage to give us some illustrations from the natural world, which I personally love, to expand our understanding of the topic. So, we're going to read James chapter 3, verses 3 through 8, and we're going to go through these different things and kind of break them down. Now, he says, verse 3, a bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word... Out of your mouth may seem of no account but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it verse 5 through 6 it only takes a spark remember to set off a forest fire a careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that by our speech we can ruin the world Turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pits of hell. This is scary, he says. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done, he says. The tongue runs wild. He said it's a wonton killer. That's that's a whole other level of a killer right there, a wonton killer. (laughs) That's a focus killer right there. (laughs) With our tongues, he says, we bless God the Father. Oh, Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. We give you the glory. Hallelujah. We bless him with our tongue. He says, with the same tongue, we curse the very men and women that he made in his image. And a lot of times, they'll be his very, uh, not the saved ones, the saved ones, the children of God curses and blessings out of the same mouth my friends he said this can't go on so James has brought out the unique significance and influence of the tongue for the whole course of our life he says if we succeed in putting a bit in a horse's mouth We can turn the whole animal around. So let's, yes, now this is a picture. Now, this is crazy. That's why I tell my children all the time. If you do not understand a word, please look it up. (laughs) You're going to miss the whole idea of what the person is saying. Now, me personally, before I literally looked this up, I personally thought that a bit was food for the horse. Now, I wasn't raised on a farm. You know, I'm a city girl. And so when I look this up, I'm like, oh, but, like I say, when you look at pictures, that's why I like um, using pictures and props as I'm teaching, because it just expands your understanding and your mind. And then when it's time for you to um, actually be tested, a lot of times pictures will come up to let you know, don't do that. Yes. So we're going to look at this picture right here. Now." I actually bought one. So you can get the whole idea of what this looks like. Now, for those that are actually going to be listening to the podcast, just you have to Google. You have to Google bit and look it up. Now, this is one of many bits. Now, predominantly, literally how this works is that this is the bit. It's going to go into the horse's mouth like this. I'm not going to put it in my mouth. Like this, right? And then the reins goes here and here. And when you're riding the horse, you want to turn wherever you need to turn. And so if you put this bit, this small little apparatus right here inside of the horse's mouth, you can turn the whole horse wherever you need for the horse to go. Now, uh, Pastor Kirby, if you can uh, pass this out real quick. Now, the horse in the Bible is usually a type of physical strength, okay? James is saying that no matter how strong, and we know horses are very strong, No matter how strong the horse is, if you can get control of the horse's mouth with the bit, you can control the whole animal. And so the horse's strength is literally brought into subjection through the control of its mouth. So the same is true what with us? That which controls our mouths. Controls the whole course of our life now So repeat after me father Father, Just like a horse horse, Can be controlled controlled by the bit bit, Help me me to control control my mouth mouth, in order that I I may be able to control the rest, the rest of my life amen amen amen, amen. now we're going to go to the picture of the rudder can i get the rudder now this is a picture of the of a rudder of a ship now of course it's connected to the rudder on top of the ship that you turn but this is the bottom part that small piece (laughs) rudder on a ship. So, the next example is, um, of course, this example is, is, for me, it's more vivid. He compares the tongue to the rudder of a ship. So, uh, he's saying that a ship may be, and it is, a great structure, but be carried away by what? To and fro, by winds and waves. Yet, in that ship, there is only one small device, the rudder. It is the use of the rudder that determines the whole course of the ship. If the rudder is used properly, the ship will arrive in the harbor. If the rudder is not used properly, the ship is likely to be shipwrecked. James says it is the same in our life. The tongue is the rudder. Our tongues control the course of our lives. If the rudder of the tongue is used properly, we will make it safely to our appointed destination. But if our tongues are not used properly, we will be shipwrecked. And our brother Jesus knew this. Not only did he know this, but he practiced the principle and he practiced the revelation behind it. So I'm going to read Matthew 8, 23 through 27. <laughs> and it says, they all got into a boat and began to cross over to the other side of the lake. And Jesus, exhausted, fell asleep. Suddenly, a violent storm developed with waves so high the boat was about to be swamped. Yet Jesus continued to sleep soundly. The disciples woke him up saying, save us, Lord, we're going to die. But Jesus reprimanded them, why are you gripping with fear? Where is your faith? Then he stood and rebuked the storm saying, be still. And instantly, it became perfectly calm. The disciples was astonished by these miracles and said to one another, Who is this man? Even the wind and waves obey what? His words. So Jesus knew the same way that a rudder on a ship controls the course of the ship was the same way that the words out of his mouth controlled the circumstances and the situations when he spoke to the waves and the wind. The bottom line is that the tongue produces results when used properly, and that is to speak life. The second thing, James also gives us an example. Can I get my next picture? my next picture yes there we go he gives us an example of a small spark that can that can start a forest fire so let's read James actually sorry sorry about that go back to James 3 6 through 10 and it says and the tongue is a fire it can be compared now this is crazy the tongue is a fire it can be compared to the sum total of wickedness and is the most dangerous part of our human body it corrupts the entire body and is a hellish flame it releases a fire that can burn throughout the course of human existence for wild animal for for every wild animal on earth including birds creeping reptiles and creatures of the sea and land have all been overpowered and tamed by humans. That's crazy. But the tongue is not able to be tamed. It is a fickle, unrestrained evil that spews out words full of toxic poison We use our tongue to praise God our Father and then turn around and curse a person who has made in his very image. Out of the same mouth, we pour out words of praise one minute and cursing curses the next. My brothers and sisters, this should never be. So now we can go back to the picture. Thank you. Now this picture shows the aftermath of what a wildfire can do consuming forests, it consumes anything in its path. And you can see here that there's no life left <laughs> at all here, and that's literally what the tongue can do. Mm. Now, the last example that James gives us, he said that the tongue is, is a source of poison that corrupts the whole life stream. So, yes. So, he says that the tongue is like a deadly element hmm. that can poison us by spreading an infection throughout the whole system of our lives. And basically, this is really the, the idea we get when a virus invades the body. He says that the tongue does the same way. When it goes out, it literally, it's not one of those things. Um, we're talking about the, the course of your life. When you speak out words, you're literally speaking out words for the course of your life. If you say, I'm depressed, if you say, I'm broke, you, you're literally speaking out words for the course of your life. Because you're not regular humans. <laughs> Your words carry power. Amen? So, to seal the lesson on the wholesome tongue, we continue our study as we um, consider an example in the Bible from history. um, The history of Israel, we're going to go look at that, that drives home the lesson um, with clarity. So, the lesson to learn here is this. As daughters of God, you determine your own destiny by the way that you use your tongue. So the incident we're going to look at is found in the book of Numbers, chapter 13 and 14. And this is where the Israelites had came out of Egypt, where on their way um, to the promised land and God arranged with Moses to send out 12 men ahead of them to spy out the land to find Out four things he said now I know we've read this several 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 times but in each time that we read it we bring out a lot of different revelations so we're gonna read this again now he sent them to spy out four things and those four things what he sent them to spy out to find out the general character of the land what was going on there the nature of the inhabitants who were living there the kind of cities that have been established there the kind and the kind of fruit and from that they were supposed to bring back their report of what they got these 12 spies now one leader was chosen from each of the 12 tribes okay now they spent 40 days walking through this land, this promised land that they're spying out, and they came back with a report. Now, the report they came back is given in Numbers 13, 26 through 29, and we're going to read that. Numbers 13, 26 through 29. This was their report. They presented themselves before Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They reported to the whole congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Now, this was not ordinary fruit. Now, it took about two, three people to actually hold this fruit. This fruit was huge. It was big. So then they told the story of their trip. So this was what they were. This is what. This is their account. They said, we went to the land to which you sent us, and oh, it does flow with milk and honey. Just look at this fruit. The only thing is that the people who live there are fierce. Their cities are huge and well fortified. Worse yet, we saw descendants of the giant Anak, Amalekites, are spread out in, the, in Najib, Hittites, Jebusites, Amazites, hold the hill country, and the Canaanites are established on the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan. Now, however, now this was their report. However, two of the spies, such Caleb and Joshua, refused to go along with this negative attitude in these negative words of the 10 who have reported what they seen. And we're going to look at Numbers 13, 30 through 31 to read this. And it says, Caleb interrupted. He called for silence before Moses and says, let's go up and take the land now. He said, we can do it. But the others said, we can't attack those people. They're way stronger than we are. They spread scary rumors among the people of Israel. They said, we scout out the land from one end to the other. It's a land that swallow people whole. Everybody we saw was huge. <laughs> Why we even saw the Nephilim giants, the Anak giants, came from the Nephilim. Alongside them, we felt like grasshoppers. That's, that's pretty low. Not only did they feel like grasshoppers, then he said, and they looked down on us as if we were grasshoppers. So we felt like grasshoppers. (laughs) And then they treated us like we were grasshoppers. So let us take notice of the words that were used. Caleb said, we are well able to overcome them. So let's go up. And take the land now the other ten spies said that they were not able to do it so as you follow the story you will see that each group of people got exactly the fruit that came out of their mouth each group's destiny was settled by the words that came out of their mouth. And this is where it begins to get interesting because now we have God that has entered into this situation. Now, (laughs) I have read certain aspects where God was angry, (laughs) but he wasn't playing on this one. I said, he really was angry. I said, dang, I've never really seen him this angry. I mean, it, of course he he you know he made a whole city city go up in smoke when they were practicing homosexuality, but I've never really read how angry he can get about something to this point. So let's read. Numbers 14, 20 through 24. And God said, so the first thing he says is I forgive them. He forgave them for what they said but that don't mean it's not coming with consequences. God said, I forgive them, honoring your words. But as I live and as the glory of God fills the whole earth, he said, not a single person or those who saw my glory saw the miracle signs I did in Egypt in the wilderness, and who have tested me over and over again, turning a deaf ear to me, not one of them, he says, will set eyes on the land that I solemnly promise to their ancestors. Not one who has treated me with such repeated contempt will see it. But my servant Caleb, this is a different story, he said. He has a different spirit. He follows me passionately. I'll bring him into the land that he scouted and his children will inherit it. He was upset. The father with God to them. They seen him work. They saw the the miraculous, and they still wouldn't believe. By his positive confession, Caleb settled his destiny for the positive words that he spoke. Now, let's continue because it gets more interesting. He, God, continues in his, uh, I want to say rant, but it's not. <laughs> he continues in his, his, his punishment. Numbers 14 26 to 34 God spoke to Moses and Aaron and he said how long is this going to go on all this grumbling against me by this evil infested community I've had my fill of complaints for these grumbling Israelites tell them as I live God's decree Here's what I'm going to do. Uh Uh-oh, when God say here's what he's going to do, that's a different kind of trouble. Your corpses are going to litter the wilderness. Every one of you 20 years and older who was counted in the census, this whole generation of grumblers and grousers, not one of you will enter the land and make your home there, the firmly and solemnly promised land, except for Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Your children, the very ones that you said would be taken for plunder, I'll bring in to I'll, I'll bring in to enjoy the land you rejected, while your corpse will be rotting in the wilderness. These children of yours will live as shepherds in the wilderness for 40 years, living with the fallout of your whoring unfaithfulness Mm. until the last of your generation lies a corpse in the wilderness. In other words, until the last body drops, he says. You scouted out the land for 40 days, he says. Your punishment will be a year for each day. A 40-year sentence to serve for your sins. A long schooling in my displeasure. That's a whole message in itself. A long schooling in my displeasure, Lord Jesus. Mm. He was upset. (laughs) He was upset with all of the murmuring, the complaining all the things that he had did for them. Hmm. Numbers 14, and it continues, (laughs) following this story for a reason. Numbers 14, 36 through 38. So it happened that the men Moses sent to scout out the land, return now this is this is this is a whole this is the same it's it's in the same passage but this thing continues so it happened that the men Moses sent out to scout out the land returned to circulate false rumors about the land causing the entire community to grumble against Moses all those men died that's crazy so not only did what came out of their mouth, they didn't receive it, the promise. Then they turned around and start spreading all of these false lies within the community, affecting all the people in the community. So not only did... I Actually, I read another um, translation. I believe it was the New Living Translation. And it says that not only did those that spied out the land died, but those that they had a conversation, anybody who brought up the fact that they couldn't do it, they died too, just through the community of uh, what literally that they, they had spread. If they were in a conversation with another person and that person hadn't spied out the land and they started talking it too, he said they died too. He didn't didn't even want anybody basically with that type of heart to even enter into the promised land. So what are we saying here? Death and life are in the power of your tongues, daughters of God. They receive the fruit from the condition of their tree, which was their heart. In the New Testament, our experiences as Christians is directly compared to that of Israel in the Old Testament. We are warned that the same lesson applies to us, not just to them, but to us, too. And that's in Hebrews 4, 1 through 2. And it says, now the promise of entering into God's rest is still for us today. So we must Be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. So the same promise that God gave to Israel still stands for us, a promise of entering into God's rest. We must be careful that we do not fall short of it in the same way they did in the Old Testament. Their problem was that they heard the message, a promise from God, but instead of focusing on the promise of God and boldly confessing it, With their faith in God's promise and his power, they focused on the negative or the natural. They looked at the giants, the walls of the city. They compared their own strength to that of human giants and said, we're not able to do it based off of what we see. So thank God for two men of God that had faith in what God was able to do. They had witnessed God take them out of slavery, out of oppression. The 12 plagues that he sent to Pharaoh to show him that he is God and that there is no other and that he continued to provide bread, water, shelter, the clothing, clothing didn't wear out. He gave them shade for the sun. His presence was there in the morning and the evening. So remember, ladies, just as those spies settled their destinies with the tongues by the words they spoke, the same lesson applies to whoever has heard the gospel. We likewise as daughters settle within ourselves our destinies when we speak words. Ten out of the 12 spies focus on the problem and not the promise. Two Of the 12 spies, Joshua and Caleb focused on the promise and not the problem. Joshua and Caleb said, we are well able. Let us go and take the land now. While the others got exactly the fruit that came out of their mouth. When they said they weren't able to do it, God said, I agree with you. You won't enter in. For those who said, we are able to do it, he said, I agree with you. Heaven will agree with you. You will be able to do it because I am with you. Now, we have two slides left to do. And so right now, I just kind of want to go through the people we impact with our tongues the people that we impact with our tongues. The first thing is that the power of a woman's words to her children. First, we're going to start with children because that's where the father starts with us. So I've heard it said that it is better to build children than to repair adults. From the time a child emerges from the safety of a mother's womb, he or she is formed and fashioned by the words of a mother's mouth. She truly becomes the mirror in which the child sees from him or herself, whether it be good or bad. So it is an awesome responsibility, this job called motherhood. We have the privilege and it's a privilege, of shaping and molding an eternal soul for a very short and fleeting moment. And one of the primary ways we accomplish this is the words in which we speak over our children. Amen? Amen. The second thing is the power of a woman's words to her husband. We look at James 3 and uh, 3 through 6 earlier in the lesson. um, But for the sake of the teaching, let us use what we just finished using in regards to this matter. Let us use the bit, the rudder, and fire as an example of how your words, daughter of God, can impact your husband. Now, when we use the bit in the horse's mouth as revelation for our marriage... Likewise, we can change the course of our marriage one way towards harmony or towards discord. Just a tug on the reins of the tongue should do the job. When we use the rudder on the ship as revelation for our marriage in the same way, The winds of responsibility and everyday life drive our marriages through the mundane courses of life. But one little word from a wife can steer her marriage toward calm seas of love and respect or towards turbulent waters of anger and bitter resentment. When we use the revelation of a small match or a spark to set fire to a whole forest. Consider how many marriages go up in flames because of the careless and the thoughtless words that hurt. How many marriages are destroyed because someone refused to filter their spoken words to the sieve of kindness, compassion, or forgiveness? Hmm. Number three the power of a woman's words to her friends. All of the Bible, all through the Bible, we see how the father brought women together for mutual support and companionship. Just as he brought Mary to Elizabeth, he brought Ruth to Naomi, he is still bringing women of God together for mutual support, accountability, growth, and friendships with bonds that will last a lifetime if we allow it to. So what do we learn about our words for our friends and our sisters in Christ? That friendship is the Father's idea. It's a place of influence to breathe life into the weary. We speak words that brace up the weak, We speak words that stand in the gap for others. We speak words that encourage in order to sharpen and to challenge. We speak words that inspire our friends to keep pressing on. Amen. Number four, the power of a woman's words to her brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, our words affect our brothers and sisters in Christ because a little appreciation goes a long way. All of us, all of us, every single one of us are the bride of Christ. So let us not criticize any of Christ's brides, please, because all of us need grace to grow in the fullness of Christ. In the body, we speak words to our brothers and sisters that encourage them to do what God has called them to do. We encourage them to finish their course, to finish the race. Give your siblings in Christ, please, a cool drink of water for their thirsty souls through your mouth. And the last one is the power of a woman's words to the world. As we go throughout our busy day, we are continually met with opportunities to impact others with the words that we speak. Yes, our words influence family, friends, fellow believers, but it is the woman in front of us at the grocery store, the woman at the checkout counter, the waitress in the restaurant, the fellow passenger on the plane, or the neighbor across the street who might be our special assignment for the day. These are the people that the Father brings across your path who may need a word of encouragement most of all. To speak to their hearts and souls to provide rest for them when you speak and to give them a peace that they so desperately are looking for that cannot be bought with money. So these are the five ways in which a woman's words impacts. Now, the last thing I want to go over are the five ways to practice healing or the five ways to tame, if you desire to tame, your tongue. If you desire to put it into practice, this is what you need to do. Now, the first thing is that you need to dedicate your heart, your mind, and your tongue to the Father daily. Keyword daily. Seek holiness, okay? Pray that the Father will protect your mind from thoughts that lead to words of destruction. Offer all the words of the day ahead to him with praise. Hebrews 13 and 5 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. When we choose praise, we sacrifice slander. When we choose praise, we sacrifice gossip. When we choose praise, we sacrifice fear-based words and the languages of hell. Luke 6 and 45 says, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So what are you filling your heart and your mind with? Because your mouth will tell on you. The second thing that you need to do is pray that the Father would give you an awareness or a consciousness of your words. Because a lot of times when we talk, we're we're not even conscious about the things that we are saying. So we want to pray that the Father would give us an awareness, a consciousness of the things that we're saying. Someone once said, taste your words before you spit them out. Acknowledge your need for discernment and the father's grace to help you remain conscious of your words. Be intentional about what you say. If you're supposed to speak up, do it with boldness. If you're supposed to remain silent, do it with boldness. If you give your testimony of what the father has done for you, give it with boldness. Psalms 19 and 14 says, I don't have it up here, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight O oh Lord my strength take responsibility for the words that come out of your mouth the third thing you need to do is to oh this is a big one okay so don't throw nothing surrender or offer up your right to complain surrender it offer it up as a sacrifice your right to complain now remember we go back to the story of god boy he was upset about them groaning and complaining so offer up your right to complain you and i are not entitled to the act of complaining especially not in front of your friends your co-workers and strangers no one enjoys hearing it nobody nobody enjoys hearing complaining people I'm just gonna put it out there and the people that seem to don't have your best interest in mind because a lot of times they just want to be in the same vicinity of somebody else that's going through and that's not good No one enjoys this. So if people don't engage you or agree with you when you complain about yourself or other people, it's because you're making them very uncomfortable. So sitting in negative words, remember this, is suffocating. It causes death to your life and to the environment that you're in. Amen? Number four, ask for forgiveness for any unloving words or attitudes. Ask your father for forgiveness. James 3 and 2 says, indeed, we all make mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also our, control ourselves in every other way in which we read. So spend some time with your father repenting, asking for forgiveness regarding the language and the words that you have spoken that are offensive. Commit to working on changing the way you speak to demonstrate his love. You shouldn't sound like the world. That's what they do. Why would I want to be translated into a kingdom and that's all you do is complain? If I'm an unbeliever, why in the world would I want to be translated into the kingdom of God and that's all I hear is you complain? It just don't make sense. And the last one is practice speaking words that will encourage that will comfort, that will edify, and inspire. In other words, speak life. Ask the Father to guide you to speak words that will honor him and accomplish his person. Remember, purpose, the goal is to speak life. This means that you try practicing. Ephesians 4 and 29 says, do not let any... Ephesians 4:29. do not let any not some a little bit a little bit here and there he said any do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen To encourage means give support, give confidence to people, give them hope. To comfort means soothe people, console them, bring freedom to them from their pain. To edify means cultivate people, help develop people, build people up. And to inspire means to motivate your brothers and sisters. Be excited, be energized. Breathe life into them. Amen. Sunday, thank you, Father. The words, Father, of the reckless, Father, pierce like swords, you said. But the tongue of the wise, you say, bring healing. Gracious Father, we love words. We especially love the way you use words, Father, to bring us healing, freedom, and hope. You never shame us or defame us with words, Father. You never manipulate us or flatter us with words, Father. You never repeat our failures, Father, to others. You only bring our sin and our brokenness, Father, to your throne of grace where they are buried in the sea of your redeeming love. Heal our tongues, Father. You never say too much or too little, Father. You neither mince or dice or waste words with us. Abba, you alone have the words of eternal life. And you constantly speak them to our hearts. How grateful we are, Father. How dependent we are on the constancy, Father, of your grace-salted words. Hallelujah. Heal our tongues, Abba.